Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Mayhem. I'm your host, Justin Harvey. You can hit me at Twitter uh, at JustinHarvey75, or you can email MMMShow75 at gmail.com. And uh, I got a couple of questions like, dude, when are you going to put yourself over by having a really awesome guest? And I'm here to tell you, I don't care about getting over. And that's why my first guest is Byron. Uh, Byron Fever, you guys know him. You've seen him on Twitter. You've probably seen him at the tapings. He's a homie and he's down to help out today. And we're going to definitely talk a whole bunch of lucha. Say hello to the people, Byron. Hi, people. All right. Um, without further ado, I really want to jump right into it. Huge, huge, huge week in wrestling overall. Um, the best thing about WrestleMania week is the fact that it does bring lots of eyeballs to the product. And hopefully, uh, I really sincerely hope some of those eyeballs translated over to Lucha Underground because uh, I'm just going to say it flat out. I feel like this week it was a far superior product. And uh, I hope a lot of people notice that if you watch the two back to back. So um, the very first match, and I think this relates coming out of WrestleMania, huge week in women's wrestling, especially and our first match on Lucha Underground this week was Ivalice versus Cobra Moon. Byron, what'd you think about that match? I thought the match was, I mean, I was impressed. Cobra Moon is new and, you know, she had, she hasn't really been tested, I don't think. Um, the Bengala match, they've all been kind of short and they've kind of been a little sort of plotting, I think. Um, and this was, this was a real match, like a real match that would get like a commercial break all that on the other show and and it just it came across as a standard wrestling match you didn't see those hair toss beals or you didn't see like open hand slaps you saw like two fighters fighting like a regular wrestling match and i thought it was a huge testament to eva least that she could go and do she can carry and she can sort of ring general a straight up match without any sort of David versus Goliath gimmick. Yeah, or... and I don't know who was calling that thing or, or who laid that match out, but the the work too, like there was Japanese strong style stuff in there. There's old mat technician stuff in there. You know, you got a couple of, of high spots in there. You know, not a lot of flying in and out of the ring, not a lot of putting yourself in jeopardy, but strong, solid work that I think, I, I hope that people really gravitate to. And honestly, I feel like I haven't seen a match like that in Lucha Underground yet. I haven't seen a, a match with that kind of pace and work rate and, and the, the MMA stuff, too, and some of the grappling moves, like the, the, the tie-up and the rope and, um, you know, the, the different hand grips and stuff. That was, to me, very impressive for... And, and even for as long as Ivelisse has been around, she's still relatively new in, in the game. I mean, these are not, you know... Mm -hmm. 10, 15 year veterans here that we're talking about. I mean, these, we, these women in Thunder Rosa, uh, Cobra Moon, she started much later uh, in her life in wrestling too. So mm -hmm. I was just very, very surprised at the, the match that they put together. And I don't know who laid that thing out. I don't know if there was somebody in the back or one of the other wrestlers or if they laid it out themselves or if they called it on the spot, if they called it on the spot, I, 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 will applaud them for the rest of time because uh the the work was just amazing what'd you think about the the finisher there I, that was a new move from ivalice wasn't it i think so i don't think i've seen her do that one um well it was like a is that a code red or sunset flip yeah and, and i think she has some name for it a desert something or whatever yeah. but I, I mean maybe it was desert a slight nine. variation but it's i thought it was cool i thought the match ended with that move it ended on the biggest impact that you saw it was it was very believable and and it's it's an impressive move in general 
And also, I mean, you don't see that. You don't see, you or you haven't seen female wrestlers on a mainstream TV show take a bump on their, you know, shoulder, neck, head area like that. Yeah, and it was it was pretty impressive, and it sold well. And I think that it was uh, it was perfectly safe too. I, it didn't seem like any part of that was was blown. Mm-hmm. Where do you think story wise this fits in? Because um, we didn't have necessarily a whole lot of setup for for this particular match. Um, you know, personally, I thought that it, it was a good tie-in because Ivelisse is one third of the trios, and we're going into the trios tournament later in the show. But storyline-wise, there wasn't much else there. Cobra Moon had not uh, done a job yet. She had not lost mm-hmm. yet. Um, so where do you think this fits in? Did there even need to be a storyline? I don't, I don't know that a lot of people thought there was, did, but what well, did you think? Well, I think, I think they really set up that it's Dario's underground fighting ring, so people come there to fight. And so you don't, you don't have wrestling for the sake of wrestling. You have people there competing for glory for for titles and and for money and so just having two wrestlers intersect like that i don't think when you have such that such a strong overall story um that's that's believable and um that's there then i don't think you need a strong story to have them fight i think as far as where they are as individuals Lucha Underground's done a really good job of bringing someone in, showing you where they're coming from, showing you what's cool about them. So that way, if you like them, you, you know, there's something to grab onto. But they don't put them over everyone else. So where does, where does Cobra Moon go from here now? She's taking a loss. And given she's taken a loss to someone who has competed for the Lucha Underground Championship. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I don't feel that it that it hurts her very much storyline wise, but now what do you do with a with a character like Cobra Moon? She doesn't necessarily have a lot of affiliation with other characters, mm-hmm. um, and she's just kind of the singles competitor. Where do you go with her? I don't know. I think she has an interesting character. I think she has something to do um, long term. But I think this was a good way to keep her in the mix, a good way to keep her involved, and I think a competitive match with one of the main stars of the show is good. It's good on a show like this. You lose to Ivelisse, who, as you said, competed for the for the Lucha Underground Championship. I wanted to call it World. <laughs> but uh for you know, she she fought for the big belt and now you have someone else competing with her. I mean just getting a shot against her. Like you believe in the hierarchy of of the of all the fighters. Right, right. And so everything is presented as a legit underground fighting ring. So I think I think uh, I think she's on the back burner a little bit story wise, but I think this was it's not necessarily a bad thing. She's still out there fighting. Well, and that being said, she's one of the luchadoras that I want to see maybe in a feud with like a sexy star or somebody that that is fighting the other luchadoras. Some of them, however, like Taya. I don't mind seeing her with the guys all the time. And I don't care intergender or not. I just care work rate wise and like mm-hmm. what I'm seeing in ring action wise. I feel like I'm going to see stuff that I, I find more exciting from Cobra Moon if she's wrestling another woman. Right. Um, or may, maybe I could even see her wrestling like a, a Mr. Cisco or somebody, you know. Well, why do you think that is? What specifically about her? Um, it's the style. It's the style, yeah. the body movements that she's creating, and she's turning herself into this snake, and it's got kind of this slinky, weird feel to it. And I just, I feel like that is going to showcase better against another mm-hmm. woman. I don't know that that plays as well against the guys because of the type of physicality that she's using. 
Whereas when you get uh, like a Taya, she's physically a little bit larger and, you know, she's got more of the muscular build. And I just I, I love seeing her standing toe to toe with the men and just mm-hmm. putting them in their place at times, too. Yeah. And I hope they continue doing that with her. I said it on last week's show, I do not want to see her get turned into a valet. I don't I hope that it doesn't go that direction. I was a little worried seeing her tag with Johnny because I know there's going to be times where if they're affiliated and, you know, Johnny's going to get his his singles matches. That's what you're paying the guy for. And he's great at him. He's going to twist and turn his way through an awesome match all the time. Mm-hmm. But that means if she's affiliated with him and she's coming to the ring with him, that she's going to be standing on the apron at some point. And, man, I do not want to see her standing on the apron, throwing two chops in a match, um, you know, or or helping Johnny cheat to win or something. Like, I just... I, I hope it doesn't go there. I don't want to see that as much as I love Lucha Underground. I want to see Taya in the ring. I want to see her facing the best competition for her mm-hmm. and for her storyline and, and hopefully not having to get too caught up to get over in somebody else's storyline. Well, they're kind of using her, if I'm using the term right, as, as, uh, as Johnny's heater. Is that the right yeah, word? Yeah. As like, you know, the diesel to Shawn Michaels, except that Johnny Mundo is, is bigger and stronger than her which helps make him such a heel because he's also getting to the point where he came and he was a fan favorite and then he turned, but his work is so good in an arena where people respect good work that you constantly need to reinforce that he needs to get booed. Yeah, it's it's. I'll tell you what, I pop for Johnny Mundo a lot of times. I, I've even been to tapings wearing the Johnny Mundo glasses because... You know, they've done a great job healing out the character. Mm. He knows how to play Rudo. He can do it great. But at the same time, you want to love the guy because he he is a veteran of the game. He's been in great matches his whole career, regardless of the backstage politics and, you know, whoever else he's bringing along with him getting in uh. and out of trouble. But regardless of any of that, you watch the guy, especially on the on the TV shows, whichever one he's been on. And the work rate has been amazing he's doing Mm -hmm. stuff out there that other guys just can't keep up with sometimes and it's hard not to pop for that when you're sitting there and you're watching him you know do his spots and run around and parkour off the ring ropes and people's faces or whatever (laughs) um and so you know i don't want to spend too much time on johnny mundo because i'm sure there'll be some time to talk about him as as his bigger spots come up later in the season but i he's another guy and i said this uh on my addendum podcast that I hope he can find his way into the title mix. Uh, we'll talk a little bit and a little bit about Matanza, but he's one of these guys that I feel can put in a good enough showing that he should be in the title mix. Mm-hmm. Except um, the title mix right now is is a lot of Rudo, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I want to end this conversation about the, the the women's match quickly by talking about women in wrestling in general. Um, and we can talk a little bit about WrestleMania. I know we don't normally talk WWE on this podcast, but this week in particular, a lot of eyeballs are on women's wrestling with the new WWE women's belt. Do you feel like there needs to be something like that in Lucha Underground? Do you feel like like the women can get the rub better for the work that they're doing if there is something there specifically for them? And I'm not even necessarily talking about a women's belt. Maybe if there's another belt besides gift of the gods and besides the lucha underground belt if there's another um belt or division or idea there that maybe could represent something for them to be striving for if not for the overall lucha underground title what do you think well i think from a tv standpoint putting together a show i don't know where you would put that in an hour i mean you barely can fit all of your all of your characters and all of your stories um 
in the hour anyway. And as far as the competition uh, goes, I don't. They've they've done so much to mix them together. I don't think that they. I think it would be a step back for them to separate at this point. It is a big thing with advertising and presenting a product to a, a mass uh, audience. Uh, people, they, like we've gotten away from it. WWE used to do that a lot, and they had to get away to get their biggest sponsors, to get their biggest exposure. Uh, but then again, it separates Lucha Underground. So I, I think that you, you have to keep them in the mix. I think with the titles... They're, the title structure is so focused and makes so much sense with Lucha Underground that you that you can't add to them. You have your big one that everyone's fighting for. You have pretty much the number one contender belt, right? And that people which can't, I love. I yeah. love that that belt represents a step to the main belt. It is not the belt that you are holding to prove that you are the best. It is the belt that you are holding to prove you have the desire to fight the best. And there's something, just that little bit of difference between like an intercontinental title and it's like, you know, you always wanted back in the day in WWE for it to be like the intercontinental title meant that you were on your way to the championship, Mm -hmm. but it didn't mean that. WCW, they would do, I used to watch Saturday night all the time and they would have the champ, you'd have like Vader up top. Right. And then you'd have the rankings Rankings. and like number two would be Sting, US title. That that being the US champ puts you in line. And that was a stepping stone too. And that makes sense. Gosh, is that the only WCW uh, position left in WWE now as the U.S. title? I think that's the the only one that's still around, right? The Cruiserweight went away. The tag titles got put together. Absorbed, yeah. And the big gold got put in. Right. So now it's really just the U.S. title. It's the only, the the last remnant of WCW. Yeah. Kalisto? Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm not. I'm not even going to touch that one, Byron. I, I refuse. All right. All right. Well, speaking of women, and one of the reasons why I asked is because I want to know what you do with a sexy star. Because sexy oh. star is the one person where I, I, I questioned it a little bit last week where her where her uh, storyline is going. I love her angle with the moths. I love mm-hmm. what's going on there. But at the same time, it has left me a little bit worried that that there's a good place for her, and it is clearly softening her. And this week. Thankfully, I think we saw a little bit of how they could turn around. Now, going into the match, they had a great backstage vignette about uh, her being afraid to come to mm-hmm. the ring with the Mac, who got forced to tag with yeah. the creepy moth trust fund family and their made-up uh, Aztec moth tribe history or whatever was going on last week with Marty. It was in the book. It wasn't made up. It was in the book on the blank pages. Oh, it was blank to you? <laughs> You are clearly related to the moths. You are very creepy right now. Um, yeah, and and I I thought that I thought the setup. This I'm going to say this right now. I said this on Twitter. I gave this match a perfect ten out of ten, and here's why: because in a one hour program, you managed to fit in a great setup. Setup that made me care. You had mm-hmm. um, what Reyes cop situation with yeah with joey that that preceded the match hey, what's her name what's their boss's name captain hotness uh, uh i don't know she's beautiful though whatever that actress's oh, no. name is um we're doing a, her a disservice by not knowing her name but yeah she's great and just like with having dario and the other segments like she anchors two two wrestlers in a movie scene yeah movie scenes right that, that are pushing these guys 
even if they're not in a match on an episode, you could have them do segments, you know, like like Famous B's been doing. He's been getting over and he hasn't been anywhere near the ring on TV in a while. Like oh, Famous B is the best. I mean, and, and his stuff is amazing. And I and I hope it's leading to a big, uh, you know, in ring or near near ring push, you know, just having him sit ringside, I think, is even classic at this point. That gimmick is so over. But, you know, so we got the, the cop set up. For the match and then we get the backstage mac and sexy star set up where she is just she looks still scared out of her wits mm-hmm. um she's selling that that whole storyline great and then it it transfers into the ring where dario has once again set up this match of of odd bedfellows with mac now having to help the moths if he wants his chance at the gold and he yeah. does because in like you just said in lucha underground you want to prove yourself even if it's hanging out with the creepy moths. Yeah. And so you got creep on one side and then you got, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, a narc, a guy halfway through a face turn and the sleaziest guy in wrestling on the other side. Yeah. And these guys, you know, you got this great setup and now you move into the in-ring action and holy crap, what was going on with the Mac? That was just yeah. amazing. The guy is flying around like he's a 135-pound luchador. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at the guy and you go, you know, independent wrestler, like, just kind of wrestling. He doesn't get in, like, big shape for, like, the TV shows. Like, he would never be in WWE because he's not going to lose however much weight he needs to be to be, like, Apollo Crews. They're Cruz. lost. They're but lost. he hits, you know, like, you compare him to Apollo Crews, and he's, he's flying just as much if not more he's sitting just as hard he's going out and do his thing and it's a it's a great presentation because he looks like he's out there to fight he looks like someone who can do some damage and then uh i, I made a note uh when i was watching the show last night and this is also based on seeing him in the live tape it's like if you don't get on your feet during a mac match then something's wrong with you yeah it's amazing and this is this is not a guy who's got some huge push um but if you see him live, and even when you watch these matches on TV, how can the guy not be over with you? I mean, the the chain wrestling that was going on there, and even the chop fest. I popped for the chop uh, fest. When have I popped? The, the last time I popped for a chop fest was 1995. Yeah. You know, and it was like Ric Flair in WCW or something. Like, nobody pops for a chop fest anymore. You're like, okay, you guys just are lazy and don't want to do the next uh, string yet, or you're but stretching. But it made sense, though, story-wise. But it made perfect sense and it was well done and and i even feel like marty was underselling his a little bit so that max would get off cleaner yeah i i I just loved the work there and and on top of it i was super impressed with mariposa in this match again going back to women's wrestling this week and and honestly not to take anything away from the ladies in the wwe i thought that women's match at wrestlemania by the way was Mm -hmm. phenomenal it's probably one of the high points to me of that whole thing hated the finish Really thought Sasha should have gone over. Yeah. Because I, I just think her in-ring work, I'd love to see her in like a Lucha Underground or something. It was her else, day, too. It was her day, too. And and I get it. You, uh, I talked about this with, with Pentagon Jr. You want those, those people that are that over to be in the chase. Mm-hmm. There's money in the chase. Uh, us as fans, we want to see the payoff. But that's what they want from us. They want us to want to see the payoff. That's there's where a lot, the money is. There's a lot of asterisks with like the booking of WrestleMania. Like... Here's what we're doing. And then you go into footnotes and explanation. Well, you know, we're starting over. So we want to have our big person chase, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, I guess I don't feel that bad about it. But that's that's a whole lot. Like you need, I don't know. I don't think you get that with Ucha Underground where 
you don't need that footnote to explain why you shouldn't be upset. Like, just just wait, just wait. Like, they, they give you the story or they hook you, so you are along for the ride already. Well, and, and you got to be honest, too. Like, look, what WWE is going to bank on right now is two big family names, the Flares, the Hearts. They're going to do that. They feel like that's going to yeah. put the rub on the new belt. I don't think I agree with them, but... You know, I'm not those guys. They've all known each other for a million years and they like mm. to put each other over. That's just that. And that's yeah. going to happen. And they're putting over the next generation. I feel like Sasha's going to get her chance. I think it's undeniable. She's earned it. Yeah. Um, and maybe even a little a uh, little time away from the camera or downsize a little bit will help her pop even more when they bring her back in and mm-hmm. finally put the strap on her. But it would have been nice to see her as the first person with that belt. Let's be honest. Did it anybody would've. really want Charlotte to win that belt? I didn't. No, but I think that also she they really need to they really needed a heel out of the three of them and they all left NXT smiling like you know, we're doing it, we're doing it and you feel good about the motivations and you feel good about, you know, what they're doing for women's wrestling and how hard they all worked. Even Charlotte came from a much shorter background. She has a lineage that she fought to overcome in NXT. Because she didn't, she wasn't at the end of her run there. She wasn't the privileged flair daughter. <laughs> she is now. She is now. But you needed that to bring to make her as a heel. Because now Rick is going around and you know cheating for her. And you go this, this, uh, the superstar, what they're called now, is bigger and stronger, genetically superior than all of her opponents. Right. And she still has her dad still cheat which would i mean that would have been to me the way to go on raw would have been for her at that ceremony to really just turn to her dad and be like you know what dad screw you i am the champion and i didn't need your help yeah you know if she did if she did a piss off rick flair thing right there that that would have been the big pop in the the raw after i think though with i think though with her and maybe even sasha sometimes like after a match they they uh tend to a break character a bit and get into the like we're all in this together like respect to everyone that sort of thing you know the hugging and crying thing (laughs) which is cool in nxt because at the point where they had gotten you didn't really need so much of the characters and the stories like you knew where they were coming from yeah but you gotta sell you gotta sell when you're on the big stage raw after mania yeah and and that was a failed sell by charlotte that 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 promo was not good. It was it was a battle to get through it because yeah. of the crowd, but she she's got to learn how to work that though, especially especially on a stage that big. I mean, and that also to me proves why maybe she was the wrong choice. Yeah, but maybe but they're all that green. She has to grow into it. She has to grow into it. I think Becky is probably out of the three of them the best promo and best character. I think motivated. Right. Uh, Sasha's the boss. She does her thing, um, but. Becky is the lifelong underdog. Well, you know? and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's a good storyline on her, and it fits yeah. size-wise, ring in-ring work-wise. I think that gimmick fits. I think their gimmicks fit all of them, and yeah. I, I even like the flair gimmick, too. It's just, you know, they're going to tie up the belt with a, a flair heart feud now and this yeah. family thing, and I just, you know, the belt's going to be tied up in old stories and, and not new action where it could be. And they've worked hard to, to, to make those characters work. I'm going to move back to yeah. this... Uh, this trios match, because this is the first round. Can you imagine that, people? This is the first round of a trios championship tournament in Lucha Underground. And again, like I said, that match was a 10 out of 10. Um, what would you think about the finish? I thought the finish... My cat is 
I don't know if you can hear my stomach growl. Billy Fever. Okay, we got a cheap pop from Billy Fever over here, Byron's very, very famous cat. She's a world <laughs> champion in the cat underground fighting ring. Look him, look him up on Twitter <laughs> or Instagram, and you will see uh, all the awesomeness that Billy Fever has brought the world. Hashtag so, Billy Fever. Um, but yeah, the, the, the finish to the trios match, I thought was, I thought was like the perfect way to do a storyline finish. Um, you have, in, instead of trying to figure out where you want to end up and working backwards, they really, everything made sense. Um, I took notes on it. Let's oh, see if I actually he's, took pulling, good notes. he's pulling out the notes. Well, while you're looking at that, I'm going to say this, <laughs> that again, and part of what leads to this perfect 10 out of 10 match rating for me is you get the finish. The, the team that I think needs to go over goes over because the moths and Willie Mack and sexy are going to be able to have their own feud. Um, and now you've got these strange bedfellows uh, on the other side. And I, I, the, the aftermath of the match works out great to me too with sexy star mm-hmm. coming in and being able to get get hers in finally and you're oh, starting to see that turn back to the strong empowered sexy star that we want and you know this is it's subtle but this to me is a great storyline that mm-hmm. is really relating to some serious real world issues and you're talking about like physical mental and mm-hmm. sexual abuse possibly and seeing that get its comeuppance. And, and this is part of, to me, why it fits in great there, because this is Robert Rodriguez's network. And if you yeah. look at those 70s revenge movies, yeah. I mean, they were that dark. You know, this is spit on your grave kind of darkness <laughs> level here where the, the creepy moss did something just terrible to Sexy Star that we don't even want to know about. Yeah. And now we get to see this slow burn up to her comeuppance. And uh, you know, who knows? Even on Lucha Underground, it could end like one of those 70s movies in a, in a mass burial of moth bodies in the yeah. desert by Sexy Star. Well, it's great. And there was a subtlety to it, too. There, there were nuances that fit the situation and, and what it takes to overcome something like that. She came out because Mac asked her to help him and she couldn't, but she had the whole match to reflect and she saw he was in trouble. So she pushed herself, but maybe a little bit too far. She got out there and then she realized, oh, she can't do anything. Like she wasn't helping. She was still being intimidated. And then you see her fire up at that point. And she had really good fire and she really resonates with the crowd. But you see, you see her, you know, get over the mountain in the ring in front of everyone instead of, oh, she's good. So now right. you just see her run out and you cheer for her beating everyone up. And that's that's real superhero stuff to me. This is what was wrong with the Batman versus Superman movie to me. It was because Superman's too dark now. I haven't seen it. But uh, but just in general, I'm yeah. not, with no spoilers, Superman's too dark now. You want to see Superman be a likable hero. And if you don't want to see that from Superman, you don't like Superman. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole gimmick. That's the whole thing. Sexy Star is that. She is super, super technico face. That's where she should be. And you want to see her do the heroic thing. You want to see her do Mm -hmm. the right thing. You want to see her challenged, but not to the point of, you know, turning into darkness. She's not Batman. She's not a tweener. She's not a vigilante. She believes in justice. That's her character. That's what she's about. That's what the, you know, 
the the little girls that I know that love mm-hmm. Lucha Underground and and have loved Sexy Star and AAA and that whole character. That's what's important about the whole thing. You yeah. want to see that uplifting come up and superhero moment from her. And I applaud Lucha Underground, especially in a place where a guy like Pentagon is one of the most over guys who is clearly not a technical baby mm-hmm. face, um, that they can stay that course with Sexy Star. And hopefully, I, I never want to see a heel turn from her. I want to see her go straight up the pipe and be a superhero. Yeah. Well, Lucha does such a great job with their characters and establishing them. It's underground, dirty environment, and... Uh, and their main event scene or their title scene is is built around a bunch of heel monster type characters that people kind of cheer for but they do have their their superheroes they have their really like white meat baby faces you have puma yeah. Right. Yeah. You have sexy star. Now you have Ray. You have uh, El Dragon. So Puma Jr. had Conan with him, which allowed them to work some semi Rudo or tweener angles right. initially. Right. Initially. Not now, though. Yeah. But also like Conan was he was a uh, legendary in right. the temple. It was Conan and Vampiro. Right. They were the most they would get the loudest reactions in that in season. What, one. Chavo wasn't getting his big pops. Kidding. Chavo, I leave Chavo alone. I love Chavo. Chavo did a great job, and I know he's very instrumental in behind the scenes. Man, but I'll this, tell you what, the first taping I went yeah. to when Chavo came out, I'm not even going to lie about it. Chavo was not over. He was not under. No. He was not over. He was not sideways. Man, people just didn't care. And through the match, people really did wake up and care because the dude works his butt off. He was great. You know, but at the same time, it's he's, funny because of the legends that that have been associated, you know, Blue Demon was getting over, and poor Chavo was. He was? Yeah, to a, to a certain extent, you know. And I, I you know, I, I think uh, Alberto got over pretty good. And I didn't it, like Blue Demon Jr. I thought he was kind of a bloated waste of space in season one. Yeah, to be but I feel I feel like a lot of the real AAA fans and the and the Latinos that come to the show that have been watching AAA since they were kids, they really they popped big time for Blue Demon in a lot of ways because it it represented. I think the passing of the torch, you know, and maybe not to us who are old WCW and ECW and, you know, WWE fans, but actually I won't even say, I'll say I'm a WWF fan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this also brings me to, you know, I'm going to move into this title match and then I'm going to go back and talk about a couple of these little vignettes, but the title match, um, holy crap, Matanza, another giant squash. I'm going to call it what it is. It was a squash match, and Phoenix, really, at this point in time, Phoenix was the last babyface in the title picture. Yeah. I mean, where where is this going when you have a title picture that is, you know, Pentagon got destroyed last week, but I'm going to assume that since he was the first to be destroyed, that he's going to work his way back into the title picture somehow. Um, then you got Mil Muertes, mm-hmm. and and obviously Katrina really helps keep that alive because she's got a little bit of heat with Dario. Even though Dario welcomed her back, like, hey, you're welcome to be here. Just understand, it's this is my spot. Yeah, but all of Dario's like friendly deals aren't friendly deals. It's like he, when he has his thumb on you, he he talks to you all nice yeah. and says, let's work together. But he was he's not approaching her on, on equal equal footing. Well, you 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 have here's where I love. 
what they do in Lucha Underground. You have this slow burn in, in the real development of arc-based storylines because there is that Vampiro segment at the beginning with Dario Cueto. Yeah, see, I know you guys thought I skipped over it, but that, I'm not. I'm oh, not that was amazing. You've got this amazing segment at the beginning of the show, and the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because this is the title picture that they are building in Lucha Underground. It's not a small picture. This is a painting. It's the Last Supper. There's like lots of little intricate things going on here. Um, and it's like, it's pointillism. He's painting with little dots here and there. And you got to look at every dot to see what's going on. So you got Dario, who obviously Vampiro could put this man in the dirt if he wanted to. But mm-hmm. he doesn't. He takes his pills. He takes it like a good boy. Mm-hmm. Dario puts him in his place and tells him, I need you out there to comment this match today. Because this, ha- this means something. And even Vampiro respects that to a certain extent. And he's trying to stay a certain path. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all they're telling you about. This is the setup for the title match on this episode. It doesn't involve any of the guys that are in the match. It references Pentagon a little bit from his giant squash last week Mm -hmm. where the announce table actually broke people. It broke. And that's a big deal in Lucha Underground because I know Byron was probably at a bunch of the tapings too. That desk doesn't break. It doesn't break unless you're Matanza. And then it'll break for you. That table's not a gag. There's no dotted lines, perforations, or anything cut into it. It's not flimsy. They didn't go to Home Depot and reconstruct the top of it. That table is the real deal. And that some bitch broke. Yeah. Um, but so you're, you're leading into this match. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us knew that, you know, it's Matanza's second week with the belt. He's not going to give it up as much as Phoenix might be a contender in the future. We don't know. And he always rises from the ashes. So, yeah, well, but Phoenix, him back. Phoenix was the only one who could beat the last big monster. I mean, Mio looked unstoppable. And so who can who can have a chance against this monster? The guy who could beat the last one. OK, so obviously and this is as you and I both know. This is writing yourself into a corner, but they've written themselves into a corner mm-hmm. at Lucha Underground. DJ's done this very intentionally, but you have now squashed the most over guy who I call the icon of Lucha Underground because he's not really a face, tweener, or heel. Mm-hmm. It's He's just Pentagon, damn it. He's just the icon of Lucha Underground to a certain extent, and he's just over. But you've squashed him. You've crushed this guy. Then... Phoenix, the only guy who was able to rise up, former champion. Don't forget, this guy has held this belt. This is a champion in Lucha Underground, not an easy feat, okay? He has held the belt, and he's obliterated by Matanza. And in style, too. I love the spot where Phoenix flies out of the ring. And it's uh, the the picture that Lucha circulated before the episode shows... Phoenix flying at Matanza, but I pointed out to uh, to J-Man and Urban that, yeah, except it looks like Matanza's going to catch him into a power slam. And sure enough, it wasn't quite right into it, but man, he catches him and he just destroys him on the mat. He murders him. Oh my God, it was an amazing spot. I love that spot. Yeah, it's great too because they do a big spot like that. And no one had to get dropped on their head, which I appreciate. Right. And uh, But they do a big spot like that that looks amazing. It looks like Phoenix is no longer Phoenix anymore. He's done. And then they go and they finish the match. The That's it. Matanza gets to take him to the ring, do the move he wants to do to finish. And you mean like a wrestling that makes sense? He's not going to kick out of it seven times? Well, it's like he didn't. <laughs> They did that huge thing. They didn't like try and do a couple more highlight moves after that just to just to show off and no. then go to the finish. Like that was it. When he hit that match or when he hit that that move, that was Phoenix's like desperation. 
and it failed, and Matanza murdered him outside. It's over. Right. The match is over. So er- then the question becomes, you've crushed Phoenix, you've crushed yeah. Pentagon, um, you know, Matanza didn't crush the whole field uh, in the Battle Royal or Aztec to Warfare, but, I mean, a lot of them. <laughs> Most of them. So... Yeah. What's left? What do you do with Matanza? And I have my theories, and, and J-Man's been asking me what my theories are. I'm sure when I listen to his podcast, I'll find out what his theories yeah. are. But what's your theory? And then I'll tell you what I, what I think you should do with Matanza and how you beat Matanza. Well, I think, it's, I think it's really good that they took Puma and put him in a trios with Rey and Dragon Astega. I think it's great. That's the most sense for them. And they're, they're doing a great story and great character work over there. But I think as far as Matanza... You have to. You've built him up for like a season and a half, and so you need a you need a good payoff for the amount of destruction that you promised he would do. Right. And so I don't see, from a storytelling standpoint, I don't see anyone getting near him. And just from watching him on TV, murder people, I don't see anyone touching him. I think. And do you like that as a Lucha fan? Or, or is that going to get old to you? Is this going to turn into Goldberg where you well, turn it on? Is this going to turn into it's not Undertaker at Mania where it goes on for decades before you see it end? I mean... But it's it's not... You're not looking at the streak, though. You're looking at this guy who's this giant mountain people have to climb. And you have... Um, I think, though, that they that they were smart by having Mill out of the um, Aztec Warfare right. before he came in. Because that's the other mountain in the temple. And he Mill has like one of the best just straight punches in the business. And and when he came in and took out Matanza, he threw a haymaker at him. And that that was the most convincing amount of offense against Matanza. I think if anyone can do it, if anyone can do it, it's him. But I think that's a, that's something where I don't think we have to jump to Mill and right. Matanza. I think that's the next thing we investigate. But then you have Katrina and Dario. Is Dario going to want Mill to um, go at Matanza right away? It's going to be interesting to see the sort of game of chess that they play because right, right. Ka- Katrina is, she's used her powers as an old ghost lady to get her way with Dario. Now Dario has all the power. Right. And I think that. I think that in the end, and here's here's my theory. I think in the end, those powers are going to cancel out. I don't think it's going to be Mill. And here's my theory, and here's where I would go. I think that everything that they do in Lucha Underground is very intentional. So I think the key to this is Vampiro and, very literally, the key. I think the key to Matanza is where you go with this story. I would love to see, and I don't know how you play all this out. I think a really slow burn, maybe a season and a half long, maybe even longer, but that ends in Vampiro getting the key to Matanza. You get Dario out of the picture, and maybe that's the end of the the feud with Mil Muertes, is that Katrina really somehow finds a way to get Dario out of the picture. Mm -hmm. But then instead of her getting control of Matanza, Vampiro has control of Matanza. And what Vampiro wants to do with Matanza is whatever he thinks is going to fix his situation with Pentagon. Mm -hmm. We've seen them have their ups and downs and their backs and forths. Maybe he wants to train Pentagon more. Maybe he wants to punish him to make him stronger or make him more vicious, whatever the reasoning is behind it. And I'm sure that DJ and the guys will come up with something great for that. I think that you get Vampiro the key 
Vampiro's in control of Matanza, but then Pentagon is the one to beat Matanza and he overcomes everything. And then you can mm-hmm. lead into even bigger feud where you can have Vampiro in there a little bit, not necessarily in the ring, but I think it just leads to a bigger, you know, and I think that the, the end of season one kind of showed us that that is the golden ticket in Lucha Underground. And they're smart to not be playing into it too hard right now. Mm-hmm. I think if you build it over a couple of seasons, maybe the end of season three or into season four even i think that at this point in time where it looks like you're getting picked up for more seasons where it looks like lucha is going to be around for a while i think that the writers can start playing that really big end game and i think that the way the episodes are going to play out on tv i don't think there's going to be a long break on tv like before i think they're they're building up seasons fast enough now like we're taping wise halfway through season three and and the season three tapings air wise you're still at the beginning of season two almost or right in the middle like the 24 25 episodes yeah kind of mid midpoint right yeah well it's actually a little bit before this year i think it was that episode last week was episode 10 so this was 11 the 50th overall episode is that right yeah congratulations good gracious so i mean yeah you know you're looking at a lot more episodes to come which Mm. God bless them. This is a very difficult thing in wrestling. Guys who have booked wrestling, I don't know if anyone's as smart as these guys are because you can't take your TV storylines and get a reaction out of them the next week at a taping because that taping is happening a season and a half later. It was funny when Johnny Mundo turned heel and for months... He'd come out to the ring and everyone's cheering for John Morrison. And he's just twirling with middle fingers, like doing everything yeah, he can to get people boo him. Even if you've been to all the tapings, there's not a lot of people that are at every single taping. There's maybe five or six guys that really know all the live storylines of what's happening. But everyone else, even myself included, like I'll show up to a couple tapings here and there. I don't know what the hell the TV storylines are. And even those guys who've been there every week, they can't see the backstage vignettes. Right. You know, so they don't know. And a lot of the storyline now, especially as you're seeing with this season on TV, there's stuff that's happening backstage that's being taped and filmed and written as movie segments. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you saw Killshot in the last, uh, you know, 15 tapings, you had no idea that he has this awesome backstory yeah. that we saw last night. You'd be like, I like his new mask. That's kind of cool. Exactly. But no, he's got 37 confirmed oh. kills. And as far as he knows, they're all that? bad guys. Yeah, that's a that's a great segment. Yeah. That, I mean, the whole military thing to me is a little, it's a little sensitive because of like the gratuitous way it can go. Right. Of like, I'm going to be... You know, I got a good story. Um, someone who's in one of the military branches and I've had to kill for the country and I've lost friends and blah, blah, blah. And it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a story that really grabs you because it really happens. And maybe you know people like that. Well, and, it's first blood. I mean, yeah. it, it could be. Uh, it could be, you know, the the first blood Rambo scenario. It could be Punisher-esque. Yeah. I mean, look at what they did with that in the, in the Daredevil Marvel series. I mean, he's but just mowing them down. It's a fine line, I think, between taking something that you know will grab people right or and and what you do with that like taking that and using it just to be gratuitous or just but isn't that the benefit of lucha underground too is the fact that they can get away with what is almost a movie storyline yeah they can rip something from the headlines but they can take it farther because we know that swerve is not really that guy you know yeah that, that he's been other places and 
you know, and and been other characters like, uh, you know, yeah. not not to break kayfabe, but I mean, people know that it's not. Yeah. We know that he's a character, but as you know, wrestling used to be portrayed. Somebody comes out and says they're a veteran of a right. foreign war. You would expect that to be real. Like you, you get a Kurt Angle. You're not gonna have him fake being an Olympic wrestler. Yeah. in that kind of wrestling. There was that one but time you can do that in Lucha Underground. Well, there's that one time. It's it's. I mean, it's how you. It's where you're going with it. I think. Like they had there was this one Rusev match when he was all like USA sucks, and then they had a veteran or a guy dressed up as one in like a fake uh, uniform jump over the ringside, get in a ring, and he got super kicked and knocked <laughs> out. And that was supposed to make the bad guy look bad. But in reality, you're taking someone who violated the rules right. and something happened to him that happens to everyone who does that. And you're supposed to, that's bad. He did something bad and he did that wearing right. this uniform that's supposed to garner. And it's a lot of mixed messages, but it's... I trust Lucha Underground, and I'd like to see where it goes. I think they, I think they just did a phenomenal job making us just care about Killshot. I, I love this, and I think that this is good planning and smart strategy. I think they saw what they did in season one. They played a lot of stuff out on much shorter terms, and now you're seeing these things where they can really build it up. Mm-hmm. You're seeing uh, Famous B masquerita now there's a buildup right there and it's like oh snap so you mean those commercials for famous b we were seeing weren't just going nowhere can you imagine this a masquerita famous b feud coming out of these used car salesman type commercials famous b is like building himself up very slowly and in even the interviews i've heard him doing lately he's like oh i'm done wrestling this that whatever i don't buy it i think he's building these feuds they're taking their time with it i think it's genius and it's going to give you that little bit of comedy fun element to lucha that you also get in there and that was again another thing about the trios match Mm -hmm. There was humor in that match. As serious yeah. as it was and as serious as the ending was, you're talking about abuse and retribution and vengeance. And then you have like sleazy Joey Ryan uh-huh. and creepy moth spots in the middle of it. And they're hilarious. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, Lucha Underground is the only place that I think is really pulling that off right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I, overall this episode I did not have high expectations. I won't lie. Yeah, I I didn't know what was coming. A lot of the matches weren't announced and uh, what was going to be on this week until later. We knew that uh, Evil East and Cobra Moon were going to be on, but that was about it. They and, were going to fight. It was going to be Phoenix probably getting squashed right. by Matanza and like all right, we did yeah. a bunch of stuff, but no. I had really low yeah. expectations for that squash match, and I'll tell you what. Once again, by adding that little vampiro vignette at the beginning of the mm-hmm. episode, it had me thinking the whole time. That's how I came up with my whole crazy well, every little get detail. the key to Matanza the theory and every little detail because you know every little detail matters down yeah. to the announce table, down to the key that you know leads Matanza to the ring, down to what Vampiro says and whether he takes his pills mm-hmm. or doesn't. You know, all and these the little very things. specific shots. Yeah. Match ends, the rolling credits, the ve- every shot that they show then, because it's a show put together, it's not a live show, you're waiting for it to to go off the air, so you just kind of you know, switch cameras until you go off the air. This is every shot that they throw on there has a purpose. Right. And so there's the squash you have or there's like the finish to the match, which is pinned on on the logo center ring. Um and then you have uh, Katrina and Mill, they do their thing, right? right. And then um, everyone leaves. 
And then you have this over-the-shoulder shot of Phoenix getting up again because Phoenix always rises. That's right. You know, he's getting up. And, and it like, makes st- sense. It's just expert storytelling. With the eyes with him and Katrina, and they do something. They don't say anything. Right. But Katrina is like a, someone who tried to be a wrestler in WWE and... I don't know, something happened. I don't know if she was good enough or they just didn't like her or whatever. And then she was gone and blah, blah, blah. And here she is in Lucha Underground. Totally over. Like, totally to- over. Totally over and doing all this like nuanced character work. Like she came out there, she said something, but all of her stuff with the Phoenix after the match was facial expressions. But see, that's the other thing about Lucha Underground. These parts are cast to a certain extent. And I don't just mean that their their cast is in there written and you have to come in and conform to something, but it's that the storyline can be written to a character. Whereas in in other promotions and other mm-hmm. places, you have to go in and be able to work to what their product already is. This yeah. is a product that is being molded to what can work great. And Katrina is like, okay, I, and I don't even know. Maybe Carly's uh, in-ring work wasn't great or whatever, but her acting is phenomenal. She's got a great look. She's got a great persona. And mm-hmm. guess what you see in Lucha Underground? You see those things that she's good at. You Everything see those they have things her do. that she is great at to the point where I want to go out and buy cinnamon candles for my office. <laughs> I, you know, and the character's so over with, with me. Like every time she comes on screen, I'm, I want to see where her storyline's going. I don't just yeah. want to see her. It's not. I'm just not just perving out on her or anything. I'm saying like I want to see where she's going to push the storyline and what she is an actress or a person or a, a luchadora, whatever she is. I want to see what she's going to do. You know. Well, every time she comes out, there's a purpose. Yeah. Which is great because now you you get conditioned. She shows up. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And and Dario had that same effect, too. I mean, people yeah. pop through the moon for Dario, and he is so sleazy and awful sometimes. But at the same time, you're going to pop for the guy because he's going to come out there, and he's going to yell and scream and lose his voice. And, and, and the guy is rail thin in person. I mean, oh. any one of us in the crowd could beat this guy up. The, the little, the 12-year-old I, I, kids I would, that come to I wouldn't go tapings. that far. El Jefe, that, that doesn't come from both of us, oh, just so you know. Oh, come on. But... But I love him because he's smart, because he's smart enough to not be worried about it because he's going to have backup. He's going to have a plan B. And you know that every time he walks into that temple, something interesting is going to happen. It could be the smallest little thing, but something interesting is going to happen. Or he just said something backstage. You didn't even get to hear that was interesting. And you see it play out in front of you and you're just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So, all right. I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up here. We're going to move into uh, what has basically been a lucha review this week. We talked a little WWE. I'm going to leave MMA for later, even though there's a ton of stuff to say. But um, I want to ask Byron a question. And I promised last week that I was going to address this question. Will there in Lucha Underground ever be a champion, main Lucha Underground champion, Mm -hmm. that does not have a mask? And what are your thoughts on it? Wow. Um, I wow, it's a lucha show, yeah. But there's a lot of unmasked wrestlers and and big names too, like Cage might uh, be undeniable at some point. I mean, Cage, Cage almost got it. Mundo is definitely someone who deserves it, um, but maybe he doesn't need it, right? But does just changing your name from Morrison to Mundo really make you a luchador? No, but it doesn't he, have to be a luchador that is right. the champion. That's well, the real question. What's representing? I think. I mean, I never really. 
It's a tough question. Know. It's a tough question because there are there are luchadors and wrestlers. It's a mix too. It is like Cage is not a luchador, not at all. Um, but he's he wrestles with luchadors a lot. Like he's in the mix. Uh, you know, triple A. And well, all and that. and at the end of the day, I mean, part of the luchador style is the freedom of movement and calling the match. That's one of the things, you know, if you're not a smart or whatever mm-hmm. that you may or may not know about the Lucha style is the Lucha style is called a little bit differently than the American wrestling style where there's an agent backstage where you've worked the match out, you know the spots, the referees calling half the spots. Um, Lucha, the ref might be telling you a little something or maybe telling you when to go to your finish. Yeah. But they're not necessarily calling all the spots. And the thing about Cage, Luchador or not, style-wise, he knows how to work with these guys when you're in the ring and you're just flowing and when to do the next spot, when to take it to the next moment. Um, Even though stylistically he's not you know, doing stuff, but sometimes he is. I've seen that guy fly out of the ring. I've seen oh, his blanches and stuff. It's like, what the hell are you doing? You must weigh three hundred pounds. He does. Uh, he has like a standing moonsault. Yeah. He no. He's great. Um, he's great. I think though, uh, that style kind of leads to like a perceived lack of psychology. Okay. Where you get into like the sort of the more traditional, like William Regal, like Matt wrestling stuff. Um. And I think when you come from that background and you see that looser lucha type of match, um, you know, like I don't get why someone's just going to stand there for a minute while someone else runs around and then jumps on them. <laughs> right. But you get into that when you you have to buy into the presentation and, and the rules of engagement sort of of the story. And it works great. Right. I mean, they it's presented the way it's presented to highlight what they do well and with lucha underground having it be a taped show makes Mm. it phenomenal because when the guys are setting up on the floor standing up getting in the right position to catch somebody yeah you can simply cut away whereas if it's it's a traditional rushing show you're at the hard camera for every single wide yeah you can't really do that you can't edit around it you can't speed it up you know and it allows them to set up the spot to be a great spot no matter what in lucha underground and they always get to pull it off the right way one of the things i hate the most is when a wrestler has a top rope like splash type move or 450 whatever it is that they're known for and basically towards the end of a match the other guy will fall down and you'll just you'll see him like inch (laughs) you'll see him inch and roll and move into position and i get you have to do that and I understand that it's hard to but do that. But it's nothing you want to watch. It's, but yeah, it's don't like, show it on camera. Yeah, do I do I want to watch the stuntman put on the flame retardant suit before he gets caught on fire in a Spider-Man yeah. movie? No. Yeah. <laughs> and so know? that's that's great. Although there was one uh, one moment uh, in in Lucha this week where they had their hard camera shot, their wide stuff was happening, and in the background because I notice this sometimes they had. Uh, someone on camera shooting up the stairs right and so i saw that and i was trying not to but i was just thinking (laughs) all right wait for it something's happening something's happening yeah and it telegraphs it does telegraph a little bit but at the same time you know i i appreciate how it's done in lucha and you you see blown spots and like look even in the women's match at wrestlemania there Mm. was two blown spots in there and they were they were bad they could have been ugly but at the same time look spots get blown hopefully nobody gets hurt when they do yeah I just love in Lucha that, okay, you blow a spot. You could actually just reset and do the spot again because on TV, who's going to know? And honestly, Mm -hmm. great. I don't need to see a a blown spot. 
you're never going to hear the believers in the temple with a you fucked up chant. Right. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I've been to ECW a million times. Man, somebody would fuck up a spot. It didn't matter who you were. Sabu, <laughs> Rob Van Dam, Shane Douglas, any one of those guys blew a spot even partially. Every drunk idiot in that crowd was on them. I don't think you're ever going to hear that in Lucha right. Underground because everyone who goes there, all the real believers, they understand that it doesn't matter. It's not part of it. You're blowing it for yourself. You want to see the storytelling. It's mm-hmm. not going to be WWE with a Bailey chant when she's nowhere near the ring and you know damn well she's not going to be near the ring. That's yeah. just rude as a fan. That was. Maybe WWE deserves it because it's the fans telling them what they really want. But at the same time, you're never going to hear that in Lucha Underground. You know why? Because you don't need to tell them what to do. You don't need to direct from your seat in the audience. All you need to do is sit in that temple and enjoy it. Turn on Lucha Underground on a Wednesday night and enjoy it like a great TV show, like Walking Dead, like Game of Thrones, like anything else that you watch. Mm. It's an hour of entertainment for you, made for you to enjoy. That's what I love about it. My last thing about the mask thing is I think it's Brian Cage. I think Cage will be the first Lucha Underground champion without a mask. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. I don't know when it would happen, but I don't know who else it would be. Look, if he sticks around with Lucha Underground and doesn't go somewhere else for the next couple of seasons, I think that de facto he will work himself into the picture. He might not hold it for a long period of time. They may not feel that's the right look for the product and the company and especially selling it and DVD sales and this, that, and the other thing. I think the majority of the time is going to be spent with a mass wrestler, but I'm calling it right now. We'll see mm. if it ever happens. I say Cage one day holds the Lucha Underground title and is the first and maybe only ever unmasked luchador, not Johnny Mundo, Cage. Well, hopefully if he if he wins it, he takes better care of it this time. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. All right, that's it for another edition of Mass Mats and Mayhem with my special guest at Byron Fever over here. Hit him up on Twitter with all of your complaints. Hit me up with everything you like at Justin Harvey75. And until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. 